That night, I laid in bed under my covers, pulling them around my head and face for comfort as tears started to dampen the fabric. When I returned home after running from Chestnut Street, I told my parents I was feeling ill and wanted to go to bed early. Six hours later, I remained in the same spot in bed, staring at a now cold bowl of mac and cheese. I really should eat and get some sleep, but every time I shut my eyes, all I could see was the look on that man's face as he pleaded for help. Pleading to me for help while I stood there doing nothing. When I opened my eyes, I could see the bowl of congealed noodles on the counter, the smell of salt and dairy filling up my room. That smell just made me think back to what happened in the room. The sounds I heard and the smell of blood permeating the air. Ugh, I think I'm going to be sick again. I need the bathroom. Maybe I should just sleep in here tonight in the bathtub. I keep getting sick every time I think of summer. (sighs) I walk back to my bedroom to get a pillow and blanket, tears starting to fall again subconsciously from the trauma of the day. As my vision clouded, I pulled my shirt up to my face, wiping hard at my eyes and nose. As the shirt fell back down to my chest, I looked up to my bed and nearly screamed. (gasps) Summer sat on the end of my bed, staring blankly into my eyes and wearing the same dress I had seen her in earlier today. Dried stains of maroon drops were scattered around the collar and chest of her dress my stomach turning as I remembered where the drops came from. Don't yell, Summer said, emotionless. I just want to explain before I go. What did she mean by that? Is Summer leaving town soon? It's only mid-July. She told me before that her mom was working at the hospital until September. Is she leaving because of me? Questions started running through my mind, but I stood there in silence, afraid to say anything that would upset her. The trauma of what I saw earlier sent chills down my spine, anxiety bubbling over from my stomach into my chest and throat. But yet, my heart still ached for summer. As she sat on the bed, I could smell her signature smell, even from where I stood in the door. Do you think people are born as heroes? Like in our anime, do you think Tanjiro or Luffy were born as heroes, or they became them? Confused and scared, I paused for a second. I'm not sure, honestly. I think some people are born natural heroes, and others find out that they are through circumstance. Why does that matter? She continued speaking, looking straight down at her feet, not making eye contact with me. Do you think the same about villains? Can people be born evil? What was she talking about? Does Summer see herself as being a villain? I didn't know what she meant, nor did I know if people could be born evil compared to good. All I could do in that moment was shrug my shoulders as I stared at her keeping a small distance between us. Her eyes softened, relaxing now knowing that I wasn't going to yell for help. Allie, I want to talk to you about what you saw earlier. It's clear that you saw me and saw what I was doing in that house. I just nodded back. 
What did you think when you saw that? What did you feel when you saw me drinking that man's blood? Did she just say what I think she said? I could barely process what I saw in my own head, but now hearing Summer say it out loud made me feel hollow inside. What did I feel in that moment? Obviously terrified, but there was more to it than that. Summer was growing impatient with my internal conflict. She prompted my reply again. Were you scared of me? All I could do was nod back. The anxiety swarming my throat prevented me from speaking yet. Summer smiled slightly, starting to look more like the girl I spent the last month obsessing over. I get scared too sometimes. So does mom. Do you know how awful I really am? How horrible of a person I am? I knew it was you opening the door earlier. I knew that you would follow me. I could tell by the way the footsteps sounded that it was you approaching. You always walk on the balls of your feet for some reason. I let you come inside that house. I basically invited you to come catch me. Could she be serious? Why would Summer want me to see her that way? It seemed like she was reading my mind because she said, I'm sure you're wondering why I would want you to see that. I'm wondering that to myself now as I say it out loud. The truth is that I'm in love with you, Allie. I love you. I want to be with you. I want to stay here in this stupid small town and go to the pool with you every day. I want us to talk shit on everyone here and plan our escape to a big city or a remote cabin out in the woods. I just want us to be together, but I know you won't be with me. I keep this secret everywhere I go. My mom resents me for it, even if she says she doesn't. <laughs> I just wanted to be honest with you because you're the only person who's ever listened to me. You ask me about myself instead of talking about you and your interests 24-7. I thought maybe if you saw who I really was, you could come to terms with it and we could maybe try things still. Or even just be good friends. My mind was beginning to feel like a hurricane. A flood of happiness spread through me knowing that the girl of my dreams could really care for me. Those feelings were then crushed by the impending anxiety of what would come from a lifetime with Summer. I still don't know or understand what she was doing earlier. I need to understand everything before I can commit. Summer, I have wanted to be with you since the first day we met at the pool. But you have to be honest with me about what was going on. Please, why were you doing that today? Why were you hurting that man? And then... Summer nodded and patted gently on my bed, motioning me to sit next to her. My legs were shaking in fear, but I still trusted her. I moved slowly over to the bed next to her and sat down quietly. Do you want to hear what will make you feel better? Or do you want to know the truth? I thought quietly for a second. Maybe I should just let her explain it away and forget about what I had seen. Yet I knew deep down that I would always question what I had seen if I did not know the absolute truth. Shaking, I said, 
tell me the truth. She stared deep into my eyes, saying, Are you sure? I can't take back what I'm about to say. Again, all I could do was nod back. My entire body shook with anxiety. Summer took a deep breath and finally told me the truth. When my parents got together, they met in New Orleans through a group that they were in. The group was more or less a cult, focusing on all aspects of darkness and death. They were obsessed with death and suffering, believing that they could harness others' negative energy for their own power. My mom won't tell me the specifics. I tried to Google and found articles that speculated the group performed human sacrifices. As they got involved, my dad became very controlling and believed mom was attracted to both men and women in the group. When she became pregnant, he would go on tirades, begging the gods of darkness to get revenge on my mom for her cheating. Every time she tried to leave him, dad would find her somehow and convince her to come back, promising that he would be the best father to me no matter their relationship. She eventually believed him, hoping that having me would change things. The day I was born, he accused my mom of having an affair with another occult member, saying he knew that they were in love. He killed that cult member that day and used the blood to curse me forever. Not curse mom, but me instead, because he knew mom loved me more than anything. He's fucking evil. He convinced the other cult members to help him complete the ritual, using their blood combined with the dead to curse me. A blood curse. I stayed silent, trying to take everything in, but Summer did not continue. I prompted her. What does that mean, a blood curse? The curse makes me crave blood. Not only crave blood, but need blood to survive. My mother did everything she could for me as a child, feeding me milk with just a drop of blood mixed in to get by. But with each drop, I always want more and more after. It's like an addiction. Even now I can smell it underneath your skin and hear the sounds as it moves through your body. A shiver crept down my spine as Summer's eyes moved up my body. I crossed my arms tightly, guarding my chest for safety and comfort. Summer, you're starting to scare me. How do I know that you don't want to hurt me right now? Summer's hand reached for mine gently, squeezing my palm affectionately. I would never hurt you, Allie. Ever. Besides, there's more to it than that. My mother... She knew the older I got, the more difficulties I would have controlling myself. When I turned four and was getting closer to going to school, my mom took me to a powerful witch asking her to complete a protection spell. The witch did everything she could. Her and mom both made unspeakable sacrifices just to save me. But the curse was too powerful to be broken forever. As I grew up, and started to change, the protection spell weakened, 
Everything came to an end when I turned 12 and hit puberty. The day I got my first period was when mom realized the spell had been temporarily broken. Mom is not sure why, neither is her friend. But either way, every time I get my period now, I turn into this thing. My head was spinning at this point. This was just too much to take in. Summer has to be lying. I mean, there's no such thing as curses and witches and demonic cults. But I know what I saw in the house today. And it was not human. It was... I become evil, Summer said flatly. Thank God Mom is a nurse. She got me an IUD immediately so that I only get my period about once a year, at the end of the summer, normally. Summer. Now I understand why she has to move schools every year. Her mom is trying to protect her and cover up their secret until the next time. But what happens when there is a next time? I said, so what happens then? For that week, you just want blood? (sighs) During that time, I can't control the hunger I have inside me. When the spell protects me, I am hungry but can suffice from food and water like a normal person. Especially if I meditate in the morning and really focus, some days I don't even notice the hunger at all. But for some reason, when I can smell the blood coming from inside me, I can't stop craving it from others. God, I'm so disgusting. Summer started to cry, then sob uncontrollably as she fell into my lap. Instinctually, I started to pet her head and began moving the tear-soaked strains of hair from her face. Seeing her so upset, her teardrops falling down my legs onto the floor, I just wanted to protect her. Maybe I'm an idiot, or still have an adolescent crush. I don't care anymore. I love Summer, and I want to protect her, no matter what she does. Besides... None of this is her fault. Summer, you're not disgusting. You are beautiful. And you're still perfect to me. It's not your fault what your parents did. And even though you act this way because of them, you didn't ask for this. I don't think any of this is your fault. I love you, Summer. I want to protect you. She looked back up at me in surprise, her face still wet with tears. You still want to protect me, even knowing what I did, knowing who I am? I held her face in between my hands gently, looking deep into her crying eyes. I promise that I will do everything I can to protect you, as long as you promise to never hurt me. Summer nodded, relief and sadness spreading across her face. I promise. We spent that night together, my first time, and hers. As I laid with her head pressed against my chest, I thought to myself that this day did not matter. What I saw did not matter. Summer's illness did not matter. Her past didn't. The only thing that matters to me now is protecting Summer 
and our future together. If I had summer, I had love and friendship, no matter what else comes with it. If I have love, that's all I need. Summer is the only thing I need. Besides, the illness would stop eventually when she gets older, and the rough times in between will make us stronger together. One day we will look back on this night and feel proud at how strong our love is. As I daydreamed about the future, I fell asleep with summer on my chest and a smile on my face. Hey, sleepyhead. Better wake up soon if you want to make it to work on time. Ugh. Work. Yay. Let me know if you aren't feeling well, and I'll call the pool to let them know. I could hear Mom's footsteps walk back to the bathroom as she continued to get ready for her day. Thank God she didn't open the door this time. I definitely would not have been able to hide Summer. I rolled back over to the other side of the bed, whispering, Summer, quietly to wake her up. Then, my heart stopped. Summer was gone. I sprang out of bed, looking on the floor beneath to see if her clothes were still laying there. Nothing. Frantically, I threw clothes and pillows around as I searched my room for any traces of Summer. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a small sticky note stuck to the top of my mirror. I ripped the note off the mirror with one quick swipe reading as fast as possible. Allie, I didn't want to wake you up since you had a long day. I have to skip work today, but meet me at our spot around 6. I have a surprise for you. P.S. Last night was seriously perfect. My heart fluttered, and I envisioned how cute Summer looked, sneaking around my room looking for stationery. Suddenly, I was feeling more energetic than ever, almost as if the trauma of yesterday did not even happen. Looking through my wardrobe, I picked out my favorite dress and packed it into my work bag. I may not always look my cutest at work, but I'll definitely have time to change before summer gets there. I threw the dress into my backpack, as well as a manga that summer had asked me to borrow. Tonight will be another perfect summer night. I could just feel it. As work dragged on, I noticed that Summer had not answered my texts. In fact, she didn't even open them because they arrived as green messages rather than the typical iPhone blue. Huh. That's strange. At around 3 p.m., I checked my phone again and saw no response. Opening Snapchat... I moved to the map feature to make sure Summer was safe at home. My stomach turned again as I realized Summer was no longer on the Snapchat map. What does that mean? Either she turned off her location sharing, or she has removed me as a friend. But why? Summer is the one who asked me to meet at our spot after work. This can't be good. Something is wrong. I wonder if someone found the man yesterday and tracked it back to summer. Finally, the clock hit 5 p.m., and I hurried the kids into the parking lot before their parents even arrived. Typically, we would all be having so much fun in the pool that parents were rolling their eyes by the time I made it out. 
Today was not typical, though. As I had the kids ready to be picked up before the first parent even arrived. By 5.30, I was so anxious that I did not even want to put my cute dress on. The nervousness on my face would probably just ruin it anyway. By 6 p.m., I could feel sweat running down my face as I looked around for Summer. There had been no communication from her, through text or social media. As I sat under the tree, I felt sick and dizzy. Today was almost the same as yesterday. Waiting at our spot for Summer, knowing in my heart that she would never show up. I sat under the tree, waiting until 7.30 when Mom drove down to get me, worried after I had missed dinner. She found me on the ground, knees pushed up to my chest, and tears running down my cheeks. As I cried in the back seat, Mom told me about true love and heartbreak, trying her best to make me feel any better. When we got home, I went straight into my bedroom, not even having the energy to slam the door behind me. The only reason I even looked at my mirror was to remove my streaked mascara. But when I did, I noticed another sticky note stuck onto the glass. The note had a bloody thumbprint on the bottom. Summer clearly had blood on her palm when she stuck it to the mirror. It read, I'm sorry, Allie. I love you forever. Suddenly, I had an idea. A final Hail Mary to throw in hopes of seeing Summer one last time. I grabbed my phone from my bag, slipped open my bedroom window noiselessly, and ran. My tennis shoes slapped against the sizzling concrete as I ran all the way to Chestnut Street. The summer sun had set by the time I arrived, which made my situation even more dire. Standing in front of the yellow house once again, I took a deep breath and ran inside. <sighs> Summer, are you here? Summer, please, don't go. Did she already leave? Am I too late? The last place I wanted to go was upstairs, but I had come this far, and I knew I had to go up there. I crept up the stairs slowly, my heart thumping loudly through the cotton shirt, through my cotton shirt. As I reached the top of the stairs, I stood there quietly and listened. Still nothing. I held my breath and listened again when I started to hear... What is that? I walked toward the room at the end of the hallway, the same room where the man had been yesterday. Praying that he would no longer be behind the door, I took another deep breath and... The man was no longer in the corner of the room. Instead, there were pieces of paper strewn across the floor rustling around the wood as the breeze blew in from the open window. I picked up one of the pieces as it brushed over my foot. It was a printed-out newspaper article from a town in North Carolina, dated August 15th of 2019, three years prior. 
The article discussed a local teenager who had been stabbed in the head, neck, chest, and torso, as well as in between his legs. The news article made a point to mention that the crime scene seemed staged, since there was an apparent lack of blood present. Whoever had killed the poor boy was never apprehended. I dropped the article onto the floor, frantically searching for another to pick up. The next one I grabbed was dated from last summer, August 17th of 2021, and was written by a journalist in Florida. This time, the article talked about a high school cheerleader who was found nearly decapitated behind the ice cream store she worked at. Again, the journalist mentioned that there was a lack of blood at the scene, despite the murder weapon being a knife from the store's own kitchen. In that case, the police were apparently investigating an ex-boyfriend, but had no concrete evidence. Another paper brushed by my ankle softly, and I read through this one as frantically as I could. The article was from 2017, and based on the description, I prayed this was Summer's first victim. As I read through the printed news article, it detailed the unsolved murder of an eight-year-old girl. Apparently, the girl had been playing with friends at a local park before sunset and never returned home. Her small, damaged body was found the next day, drained of blood and hid clumsily under a bush. When I got to the end of the news report and read the mother's statement to the public, I became sick and had to drop the paper back to the floor. My body crumpled alongside the paper, knees hitting the wooden floor as I felt emotions draining from me. As I stared down in disbelief, I noticed one sheet of paper that appeared different than the others. There was bright red lettering marked on the back of the stark white paper, and I crawled over to read it. Scrawled in unsteady handwriting, read, I know what you are, Summer. My heart sank even lower into my chest as I was forced with a realization that I did not want to make. Summer had killed these people, these children, as she grew up. Whatever illness, disease, or curse that Summer had could not be controlled. The worst part of it all, though, knowing that Summer had stared into my eyes and lied to me. Tears started to spill, making small puddles on my thighs and dripping down to the floorboards. It was so quiet inside the abandoned house that my tears falling on the wooden floor sounded like raindrops. I started to gather the news articles when suddenly I heard a creaking sound behind me. I whipped around jumping to my feet in the process and facing behind me. I noticed a small closet door in the corner, covered in cobwebs and dried blood from the day before. Even though I knew I should not be in this house in the first place, I was here for answers. As terrified as I was, I needed to know what was behind that door. Or who. One last deep breath. You can do this. A preteen child sat on the ground, her eyes moving around aimlessly as she tried to focus in on me. 
Both of her small wrists were tied to chains in the corner of the tiny closet and tape firmly pressed on her lips. I didn't even want to look below her eyes, fearing what I may see, but I had to look down. I had to see what Summer had done. My eyes moved down the child's frame. She looked tired and borderline unconscious, but I did not find any blood. But then I noticed it. I finally noticed it. This child, she was not a child, but a young woman, actually. Her legs had been removed above the knee. The ends of her thighs burned at the flesh to keep her from bleeding out. And still, not a drop of her blood spilled around her. The only thing I could think to do to help her was remove the tape, which I took off as gently as possible. The woman's eyes continued moving around frantically, as if she was looking for something, but terrified to find it. Please, let me help you. I can, I can try and carry you, I started to say as I removed the tape. But then, in a flash, her bony wrist grabbed onto my arm, her eyes staring deeply into mine as she shouted, Run! Run away from here! Run away from her! I stood, bewildered, saying nothing. The woman started coughing, blood splattering down onto her chin as she convulsed uncontrollably in her shackles. There was nothing I could do for her. We both knew it. Horrified, I turned back towards the door and finally ran. I ran out of the yellow house on Chestnut Street, and I didn't stop until my head hit my pillow again. And then, I cried. I cried for days, into weeks, into months, as the summer months turned into fall. Summer was gone. My summer was gone forever. The school year began and I floated through like a ghost, feeling numb. I went through high school miserable, hating life like many others. The hopeless romantic side of me died that day on Chestnut Street, and I played girls like a kid's game throughout my teens. I graduated early from high school, with no friends or accolades. To escape the trauma of my teens, I decided I needed a fresh start in a new location. After months of online stalking, I found the perfect school, a liberal arts college in Edmonton, Canada, where I could work on my own manga series. I might have to get an entirely new wardrobe for the Canadian weather, but what better way to begin a fresh start? Plus, I would never experience another Georgia summer while I was there. Hopefully, I would never experience summer again. After many family tears shed and miles traveled, I finally arrived in Canada. I went straight from the airport to campus. I did not even stop at my new apartment. I was so excited to see the classrooms. I stood outside the main campus building, staring up at it in admiration. When suddenly, I heard behind me, Aaliyah? Allie, is that you? I knew that voice. It was Summer. Loving Summer, 
Chapter 1 Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.